Well, again, good morning. I just want to echo uh, what Ryan shared. Uh, just praise God that we can gather, that we have power, uh, the things that you take for granted. I think uh, this week has just highlighted that uh, in whole new ways. Um, and so just really grateful. I did want to just say, um, before we get into Ephesians this morning, um, the, the leadership staff, I we all tried to reach out and just make sure everybody was okay. I know many of you were doing that with each other. I'm just so grateful we're part of a church that loves each other well, and, uh, and that was really a joy to see. But I also want to make sure if, if you are in need, um, even continue. I know some of us are still challenged with water issues and, and those kinds of things. Please let someone on leadership council know. Let one of the staff, let me know. Um, we have resources. We would love to help you. And so if you have any need uh, just in the wake of the storms this past week, please let us know. Um, so this morning, we're continuing in our series, Life Made New, a study in Ephesians. And uh, just I, I want to do a little quick recap where we've been uh, before we get into today, uh, chapter 1, verse 15. But a, a quick recap. So we began looking at Ephesians, and we talked about uh, really the question of our identity, uh, the question of identity in light of what Paul writes to these early followers of Jesus in Ephesus, because this really is a fundamental question. It was a fundamental question for them. It's a fundamental question for us. Who am I? We all ask that question. Uh, really, it's a lifelong question, I think, in some sense that we're always asking. And so we've discussed that in our cultural moment, our culture's answer to that question uh, is a challenge. Uh, the answer that our culture offers is that our identity is self-constructed. In other words, we're free to kind of build our identity on anything, really, but in particular on our desires and our feelings, and how doing that actually leads to a never-ending quest riddled with anxiety and insecurity and fear. Who we are never really gets settled. It never seems certain or clear. And so we've discovered that this amazing letter uh, from the Apostle Paul to the Ephesians, actually uh, puts forth the bold claim of the gospel uh, that we can, we can actually know exactly who we are. We can know exactly who we are. And it's not based on feelings. It's not based on our desires. It's not based on what others say about who we are. It's not even based on who we think we are. <laughs> it's based on who God says we are. The answer to the question of who am I is I am who God says I am. As followers of Jesus, that's what we believe, and that's the claim of the gospel. So then we looked last week at who does God say I am. We looked at Ephesians 1, 3 through 14, this beautiful, powerful opening song of praise and discovered that we are God's chosen, we are his redeemed, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. So that's what we looked at last week. And so if any of that's new to you, anything I just went over, I just encourage you, you can go uh, to our podcast, you can go to YouTube channel, you can kind of catch up because we want to build on that today as we get into verses 15 through 23 of chapter 1. So I want to invite you to grab a Bible and open up to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. That's where we're going to be today. And as you're turning there, uh, just a uh, note, this is, um, so we started with a song and now Paul's going to switch to a prayer. A prayer that Ryan read and opened our worship with. It's a prayer. It's this powerful and beautiful prayer that he prays for the Ephesians. And I just want to look at the opening lines of that prayer. We're not going to be able to look at the whole prayer today, but I want to look at verses 15 through 17 and just read that again. This is what Paul prays. He says, For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, because of your faith and your love, uh, that's what he's talking about when he says, for this reason. He says, I don't cease to give thanks for you, 
What, a, what an amazing uh, encouragement to these followers of Jesus. Paul is praying constantly, again and again and again, without ceasing. He is praying for them. He says, I do not cease to give thanks for you. I remember you in my prayers. And this is what he prays. He says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. And that's what we want to focus on this morning. The Father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. He goes on to elaborate. There's a lot more to the prayer, and I encourage you, as you're reading through Ephesians week after week, maybe spend a little extra time on this prayer this week. Uh, Look at what he says in this prayer. What does he pray specifically about hope and about the inheritance and about the power of God at work in our lives? But we want to focus on uh, what I think is really at the heart of this prayer uh, when he prays for them to know God. That That is the main thrust of his prayer, is that the Ephesians would actually know God for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And so the question is, why does Paul pray this? Why is this the the thrust of this prayer? Uh, There are a lot of things he could have prayed for, right? At the beginning of of this letter, there's a lot of things he could have said. I'm praying for you uh, for joy, or I'm praying for you for deliverance or for healing. I'm praying for you for spiritual strength, for boldness in proclaiming the gospel. There's all kinds of things he could have started with. And he does pray for all those things, and he actually does talk about all those things in the letter. And so he gets to that, but he starts with this prayer that they would actually know God. He prays that they would know God. Now that, that seems a little strange if you think about it in this sense. Who is he writing to? He's writing to followers of Jesus in Ephesus. The question you might ask is, well, don't, don't they know God? I mean, isn't that the whole point? He's writing to followers of Jesus. Don't they actually know God? They're chosen. They're redeemed. They're sealed. Don't they already know him? And yet this is the starting point of his prayer for the Ephesians. In fact, it's interesting. It's his starting point for not only his letter to the Ephesians, but also if you look at Philippians, this is how he starts, and this is how he starts in Colossians. Paul pushes on this reality of knowing God for followers of Jesus. And I think it's because of this. I think because under this question of identity that we began with and that the letter focuses on, uh, there's an even more fundamental and essential question. Who am I is a critically important question, but underneath that is a more important question, and that question is, who is God? Who is God is the most fundamental question, even before we ask, who am I? And so Paul, writing to these followers of Jesus, writing to us, wants us to understand that life is ultimately not human-centered, but God-centered. That's why he's focused on this, and he wants our main focus uh, not to be, who am I, as important a question as that is. He wants our main focus not to, to, to turn inward and make life about us and to get stuck on that question of who am I uh, and never get to that deeper question, that fundamental underneath question of, God, who are you? And so we need to ask that along with Paul this morning. The truth is that our tendency is to get stuck on the who am I question, to get stuck on living life as me-centered as opposed to God-centered, uh, to make ourselves the center of the world. J.I. Packer, in his great book, which I highly 
recommend. I think it's probably the best writing on knowing God. It's, it's called Knowing God, great title. Um, and this is what he says about this. He says, we are cruel to ourselves to try and live in this world without knowing God. The world becomes a strange, mad, and painful place. Life becomes a disappointing and unpleasant business for those who do not know God. Disregard the study of God and you sentence yourself to stumble and blunder through life blindfolded, as it were, with no sense of direction and no understanding of who you are or of the world around you. This is the way to waste your life and to lose your soul. Our aim must always be to know God better. And so if we really want to know who we are, our lives must be God-centered. We must seek to know God, in other words, to know who we really are. And so the Apostle Paul, he knows that. That's why he begins his letter the way he does. If you look at the first few verses, he says, what, grace to you and peace from who? God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse three, he hits it again. Blessed be God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He begins with God. He begins with blessing God. And here in verse 17, the heart of his prayer for them is that they would know God. And so he prays for the spirit of wisdom and revelation of the knowledge of him. So Paul wants them and he wants us above all else to know God. And so the second question that we might ask is, well, how how does the spirit help us to know God? The spirit of wisdom and revelation of the knowledge of him. How does the spirit help us to know God? And I would say there's at least three ways, three main ways the spirit helps us to know God. The first is the spirit helps us to know God through Jesus. The spirit helps us to know God through Jesus. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. John 1.14 says it this way, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. No one's ever seen God. The only God who is at the father's side, he has made him known in Jesus. We can actually know God because of Jesus coming into the world and revealing his heart by his life and his death and his resurrection and his ascension. And so if you want to know who you are, discover what Jesus reveals about knowing God. That's a great place. It's the only place, really, to begin. Begin with Jesus. To know Jesus, to trust him, to follow him, is to know God. So first, the Spirit helps us know God through Jesus. Second, the Spirit helps us know God through his word. If you want to know God... If you want to know his character, right? if you want to know his will for your life, it's here. It's in the word of God. It's in the scriptures. We can know God through his word with the help of the Holy Spirit who teaches us the word and helps us to understand this. Now, some of us, for some of us, this is an area where we need growth. Right? This is an area where we need to grow. We, we maybe rarely read, let alone study the scriptures, and so I just want to say, as your pastor, right, as, as a word of encouragement, uh, as your brother in Christ, not in a, a sense to shame you or to guilt you, but to be honest with you, if you don't read the Bible yourself, I'm not talking about here on a Sunday, if you're not spending time in the scriptures, 
you're playing games with God. You just are. And the reality is you're not fooling him for sure. You may be fooling some people in your life, but you're not fooling God. And ultimately, the truth is a lack of knowledge of God through his word in your life will result in a lack of transformation in your life. Your life and your decisions and your opinions and your priorities and relationships over time will reveal that you are in the word or that you are not in the word. But it will be revealed. And so I just say that because what we have in the word of God is precious. It's a precious gift, and it is essential for us as followers of Jesus. And so if you're not in the word, I want to encourage you, get into the scriptures. Read your Bible. And let me just say this. If you don't want to, if you don't feel a desire to do, to do that, I get that. Sometimes I don't want to either, right? Choose to read it anyway. And if you don't want to, ask God to give you the want to, to give you the desire to do it. And if you need help, ask someone to read it with you. Ask someone to help you, but don't play games with God when it comes to his word. Now, having said that, let me be quick to say this about what Paul is, is praying for and what he is not praying for. Paul is not uh, talking about knowledge that is theoretical or intellectual knowledge of God. That is not what he's talking about. At least he's not talking about just that. It may include that, but it's much, much more. And we have to seek to grow in our knowledge of God through the study of God's word, absolutely. But our aim must always be to know God, not just to know the scriptures, not just to know his attributes better, but to actually know him through his word. We study about God, we study our scriptures, we study the Bible, we study about God because it leads us to God. And so we don't wanna just know about him, we wanna know him. And the scriptures can help us do that. The Holy Spirit can use God's word to help us know him. Third way the Spirit helps us to know God through relationship is through relationship. So to kind of help us get your head around this, help us get our heads around this, think about someone that you know really well in your life, someone that's really close to you, you have a close relationship with. Maybe it's a friend, a sibling, uh, maybe it's a child, maybe it's a spouse, just someone that you are close with. Now, when you say you know them, I want you to think about what you mean when you say that, that you know that person. Now, what you don't mean is you know them like you would know uh, a school subject, right, or, or a job skill. What you don't mean is that you um, know them either in the, in the same way that you like, oh, I know Elon Musk because I read this like, you know, short little bio sketch online about Elon Musk. I, I know things about it, but I don't know him. And so this word know, it's, really, it's important that we, we understand what we mean when we talk about this in terms of relationship. When you say you know a person in that way, it's something very important that you're communicating. You know more than their name. You know more than some facts about them. You invest relationally in them. You know at least something about their history. You know something about their character. You know something about their personality, how they might behave or how they might react in certain situations sense of their passions. You have a sense of their heart. You know them. You know them. Now, what's also true is what you know about them uh, depends a lot on what they let you know about them, right? You can pursue someone for years relationally, and if they remain guarded or withhold parts of themselves, 
there's only so much you can actually really get to know them. And, and I say that because here's the amazing truth when it comes to God. God has invited us not only to know him, but he actually chooses to reveal all of himself to us. You see that? He invites us to know him, and yet he also reveals himself. He, he discloses himself to us. That's what the Spirit does, reveal the spirit of revelation of God, of who he is. It's amazing. And so this, this truth that God not only invites us to know God, know him, and, and that he reveals himself, it, it's undergirded by this fact, too, that God actually knows you. God says, I want you to know me, but he knows you. How amazing is that? He knows you through and through. And you, you could say that we know him because he first knew us. <laughs> he knows me as a friend. He knows me as his beloved, and there's nothing that can keep me from him and from his love. There's no moment he takes his eyes off me. There's no moment that I'm not in his care. He knows me. And what a relief, right? What a gift. And knowing that God knows me and he loves me in, in a personal and real way. I mean, he knows the worst about me. So there's no discovery, right, that can disillusion God about who I am in the way that I so often am disillusioned with myself. Nothing can stop his determination to love me and to bless me. He knows me. And so Paul wants us to know God in that way, right, that personal intimate, relational way for us to actually encounter the living God, not just know things about him, but to know him. And so I just want to ask you this morning, is, is God real to you? Do you know this God in this way that we talked about this morning? Do you know him like that? Have you experienced or sensed something of what Paul says, the father of glory in your life? Have you been in awe of him? Have you sensed his overwhelming peace in your life? Have you wept before him? Have you felt devastated, humbled, broken before him in his presence? Have you cried out to him? Have you been angry with him? Do you, do you know that he loves you? Do you know that he loves you? Do you know the love of God in a personal way? Knowing God means having fellowship, communion, relationship, life with God. Listen to what what Jesus said, we just read these, John 17, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That's eternal life, it's to know God. And so that's why Paul's so excited about this, that's why he's so emphatic about this, that's why it's so important to him. We proclaim to you this truth that we can actually know God. First John 1, 3 through 4 says, we proclaim to you that we've seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us and our fellowship and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And so we write to you to make our joy complete. This is fellowship. It's this communion. It's relationship. That's what it's about. That's what the Christian life is about. It's not about getting everything doctrinally correct, as important as doctrine is. It's not about chasing spiritual experiences as real as God works in our lives. It's about God. It's about actually knowing God. And so if we know God in this way, it'll produce in our lives gratitude and praise and a sense of wonder. Knowing him, knowing him, not just about him, knowing him is what Paul is praying for. In the Psalms, 
think it's 63. I didn't write it down. But it says, oh, God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you, and my soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. Do you hear that? That desire, that hunger to know God? That's what Paul's praying for, for the Ephesians. Not for more theology, not for more propositions, not for a God of textbooks or of theory or of our imagination, but God, the one true living God of glory, the God of Isaiah, the God of Ezekiel, the God of Jeremiah, the God they knew, the God they saw, the God they encountered. We long for that's our prayer. And that's what we need. That's really what the Christian life, again, is all about. It's about God coming to us and inviting us to live life with him, that we would know life with him, we would know his love. And so we started with the question, who am I? And we've discovered amazing truths about who God says we are, that we're chosen, adopted, redeemed, sealed. That's who we are. And there's only one thing that's greater than knowing who God says you are. It's actually knowing God. That's greater. Knowing God is the greatest thing that we can have in our life. And so that's why Paul prays the way he prays. Now to end, I, I want to I end with two questions that I want you to consider this week in one practice. Um, the question I want you to ask is this. Is God real to me? Do I know God in this way that we've talked about? Do I really know him through Jesus, through his word, through relationship? God wants you to know him in this intimate and personal way. And the Holy Spirit is always working to help us understand that. He's always working to reveal this God. And so the first question I want you to ask is, is God real to me in this way? Do I know God like Paul is praying for here? The second question is this, am I praying like Paul for others to know him. Isn't that amazing? This is Paul's prayer for them, that they would know, for the Colossians, for the Philippians, for followers of Jesus, and for all those in the city of Ephesus to come to know God. That's his greatest desire. And so what's our prayer life? Is it marked by a desire for others to know God? So is God real to me? Am I praying like Paul for others to know him? And then the practice is, uh, is meditation. Uh, the practice I want to encourage you to consider is meditation. This is a practice that can help us know God. In this way, it can actually help us turn knowledge about God uh, towards knowledge of God, to knowing God in this personal way. Um, and the reason I think this is really helpful uh, is because it's something that's been lost by Christians. It's something that probably most of us don't do. Um, and in fact, the problem has become, it's been co-opted and it's been taken over and we think of things like the lotus position when I say meditation. We think of new age spirituality. And the truth is, meditation is biblical. There is a call for us to meditate on the word of God and on the truth of God and on who he is. And so I wanna just encourage you to take up this practice of meditation. This is what J.I. Packer writes, again, in his book, Knowing God. He says, through meditation, we turn each truth that we've learned about God into a matter of meditation before God, leading to prayer and praise to God. And what is meditation? Meditation is this practice of being intentional about coming into God's presence, 
of communing with him, of being with him, that we might know him. And we're taking these truths that we know, and they don't, we don't want them to be abstract. We want them to actually be real. We want them to actually lead us to him. And so he, he goes on to say this, and I think this is helpful. He says, meditation is the activity, again, of calling to mind and thinking over and dwelling on and applying to oneself the various things that one knows about, the works and the ways and the purposes and the promises of God. It is an activity of holy thought, consciously performed in the presence of God, under the eye of God, by the help of God, as a means of communion. So to give you an example, you could just take a passage of Scripture. You could take Psalm 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. It's hard for me to be still. It's hard for me to shut up and be quiet. I, I need to be reminded, be still. Be still and know that I am God. And so what you do is you just meditate on that. In other words, just think about like you're kind of chewing on it over and over. You're letting it marinate throughout the day. Write it on an index card. Do whatever you need to do, but just get it in front of you. Get it here. Get it here and let God speak to you out of it so that he draws you into his presence and that you know him. It's not memorizing. It's not the same as memorizing scripture. That I would absolutely commend to you, but this is not that. This is the practice of entering more and more deeply into this experience and being humbled and exalted as our knowledge of God increases and it demonstrates his power, his spirit, bringing peace and strength and joy in our lives. So I want to commend the practice of meditating to you. Again, if you want to know more about that, I would recommend getting a copy of Knowing God by J.I. Packer. Uh, Let me pray as we end. Lord God, we We thank you for this beautiful prayer of Paul. We thank you for Paul's heart for the Ephesians and that that's a heart, um, Lord, that you share, that you want us to know you. You want us to know you. And Lord, it's so easy to slip into that place where we know lots of things about you. Would you help us to know you? to step into this intimate, personal, relational truth that we can know the God of the universe, the God who created us, who sent his son to save us, who reigns forever and ever and invites us into life with him for eternity. That's who you are. And we want to know you more. We pray that you would help us to do that.